Oh, that was inspiring. I'm gonna give that a try here. Let's head that over there. If it's good enough for Eric Little, it's got to be good enough for me. Well, let's give this a try here. Well, it's nothing, nothing's happening yet, but I'm sure it'll happen here soon. Come on, pleasure, pleasure, God's pleasure here. It's coming. Boy, maybe if I do one more lap, this will really work for me. You know what? I'm not feeling God's pleasure. <laughs> feels a lot like God's punishment, in fact. <laughs> well, you know what? I think I better take this off or you're going to be uh, thinking I'm a little bit crazy uh, looking at this uh, crazy... Uh, jogging outfit and for those of you that that are uh, visiting here please know that that I'm not the regular preachers most of the time we don't dress up I think I knocked my microphone all over the place here there we go all right well Eric Little obviously enjoys jogging well more than that he was a sprinter right in the Olympics and and I love that quote in there where he talks about feeling God's pleasure, feeling God's pleasure when he runs. You see, Eric Little had the sense that God had created him for a purpose. And that's true of every single one of us here today. God has created us for a purpose. And when we're living out that purpose, we feel something of God's pleasure because we're doing what he wants us to do. Last week, uh, Pastor Wes talked about four callings that we have as Christians. Let's see if we can remember them. What was the first one? Right, tending God's creation or God's garden, looking after creation. We're going to look at that again in just a moment as it, as it connects to personal calling. What was the second one? Right, love God. Third one, love others. And four, while well, you're good readers. <laughs> uh, of course, you remembered those. So today we're going to uh, we're going to take off on what Wes and Dave both have set up in this focus series. The big picture. They gave us a a clear sense of our calling, our big calling as Christians. Really, we could say that Scripture is full of God's calling for our lives, and we can spend our entire, entire lives living out God's calling by just obeying what he's revealed to us in Scripture. But I would suggest to you this morning that God also has a special purpose for each person here, a special calling, a personal calling that helps us to live life with purpose. You see, God has gifted you He's given you a personality. He's given you experiences. He's led you through different things for a purpose, a special purpose. And it's something that, that we want to be aware of and that we want to live out. When we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we see this passage, and it's, it's about the body of Christ. And it says that that every, uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it kind of sums up that section. It says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. So each person here today who is a, a believer in Christ is a part of Christ's body. 
all right? You are a body part, an ear, a nose, a foot, whatever. You are an important part of the body of Christ. And that passage in 1 Corinthians 12 talks a lot as well about spiritual gifts. And that's really what, what Paul is trying to communicate there, is that each of us has been given at least one spiritual gift. And you, and you look at different passages like Romans 12 and Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12, you get a sense for the kinds of gifts that God gives to people. So it could be the gift of administration, you know, kind of organizing things, or mercy, you know, compassion, counseling kind of person. There's a whole bunch of them, pastor, shepherd, teacher, helps, serving, and so on. Personally, I don't think that those lists are necessarily exhaustive. I think they're a sampling of the ways in which that God gifts his people and equips them to serve. And so you might be here this morning and, and you're really good with numbers. And you just love, you know, you could spend the entire day working in Excel spreadsheets and and come away going, I felt God's pleasure today. <laughs> Some of you are going, that's not me. No, 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 not at all. Maybe for you, it's, it's spending time with people, listening, caring, encouraging, and God has given you that kind of a gift. Or maybe God has given you a gift in, in sharing your faith, and even though we're all supposed to do that, it's particularly a passion of yours, and you enjoy it uh, a lot. So God has given us different gifts, and every one is important in the body of Christ for building up the body, making the body strong, body building, right? And, you know, there's a purpose to that, so that the church is strong and healthy, coordinated, so that we can achieve the mission that God has entrusted to us, so that we can better live out those four commandments, those four callings that Wes mentioned last week, all right? And so even in that passage in 1 Corinthians 12, we get a sense that God has given each of us gifts for a purpose, to do something different in accomplishing those four big callings that have been entrusted to us. In Ephesians 2.10, we read that we are his workmanship, or masterpiece, as some translations have it, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. And that passage seems to suggest that God, before a long time ago, had a plan. He had works for you to do, a special plan, a special purpose. And he gifted you in a certain way to accomplish that purpose. He led you through various experiences. He turned some, some undesirable experiences actually into good things somehow in your life so that you could better achieve this purpose that he has for you, the good works that he has entrusted to you. As I look through scripture, I see so many biblical characters who had a sense of God's purpose for their lives. Think about Abraham, right? In Genesis 12, 1, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, 
leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. God was calling him from his nice, comfortable little town of Haran to go to a distant place, Canaan. And you know, God sometimes calls us to a change of location. It would be like us moving to another country, you know, maybe someplace in in Europe or Africa. I mean, that's what God called Abraham to do in this situation, to leave that which was familiar, to leave a language that he understood, to leave a culture that was his own, and to go to another place, to learn everything, to be a baby again. That's what God's calling was for Abraham. You know, it's interesting as we, if we were to dive into that a little bit, it's apparent that, that God only showed him that first step, right? I want you to go to Canaan. I'm not telling you right now what's going to happen in Canaan or, you know, what you're going to be doing there or what, what plans I have. And God's calling is sometimes like that in our lives, right? Where he just shows us one step ahead and by faith, we take that next step. And we get there and sometimes we wait for a while and and God shows us the next step and the next step. It's been my experience that God often doesn't show me the whole picture. I think that would be kind of overwhelming and we need to take it one, one step at a time. What about Joseph? Good old Joseph with his multicolored robe that his father favored him with. Genesis 37, 5 to 7. Joseph had a dream. (laughs) And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. They were already jealous of him. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Come on. Joseph, where's your discretion, right? Sharing that. And the message was clear, you know. Hey, older brothers, dudes, you're, <laughs> you're going to be bowing down to me someday. Mm-hmm. Might as well start now, you know, get some practice in, right? Yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, that happened. We know it, it does come true. Joseph becomes a leader in Egypt. And his brothers do bow down to him at some point as they're getting food, trying to get food from from the Egyptian granaries. But you know, it's interesting that Joseph's dream took time to fulfill. It didn't happen right away. And sometimes that's true for us too, that God gives us a vision and it doesn't happen right away. We have to wait. But God's given us a taste of something. And we wait expectantly and sometimes take some steps to make make that happen, to walk in that direction. You know, sometimes our calling, others may not like it, okay? So now I, I wouldn't have recommended to Joseph to share that dream with his brothers, of course, but, but sometimes when we have a calling, those closest to us will actually think we're crazy, right? And, you know, sometimes we have to take that counsel into account, right? Maybe we are crazy and we actually haven't heard from the Lord on this matter, but but sometimes we have and we just got to keep on walking and taking that next step. 
trusting that God will provide, that he will help us go where he wants us to go. And you know, it's interesting when you look at the life of Joseph, you think about the hardships that he went through to to realize God's call. He was a slave. He ended up in prison. He was mistreated, misjudged. And yet somehow God wanted to use those experiences to prepare him for that next calling. And I would argue too that, that he was living out of his calling even in those difficult circumstances. It was just different and God was using that and preparing him for the future. Moses, Moses. Remember the burning bush story? All right, you know, this dear 80-year-old man tending the sheep, enjoying a life of peace, right? Enjoying the creation around him and those cute little sheepies, you know, hugging them and looking after them. I mean, this is, this is, this is like kind of a retirement job, okay? You know, and he's getting, anyway, he's enjoying himself and, and you know, he's all of a sudden, God shows up. This, this bush is on fire, except it's not burning, and God speaks to him. And he says in Exodus 3.10, So now, go! Wow, that's not mincing words, is it? So now, go! I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Do you remember Moses? you remember Egypt? place that, that you fled because you murdered an Egyptian, right? Like, you know that place where you're not popular, okay? I, I want you to go back, and I want you to go up against the most powerful leader in this part of the world, and I want you to command Pharaoh to let my people go. That's crazy. But you know, a little bit of a secret God often calls us to do things that seem kind of crazy. Go. Do what God has called us to do. You know, often God's calling is bigger than what we can possibly do on our own. That's the point. If it wasn't, then would it even be God calling us to do it? Often he calls us to do something that's beyond us so that, that we rely on him, that we're moving into the God zone of trusting him, relying on him for strength and wisdom and courage and all of those things that we need to live out his calling. In our weakness, God's strength is made obvious. You see, we have this treasure in earthen vessels we read in 1 Corinthians 4 so that when good things happen, it's not this earthen vessel, this calm, common, ordinary vessel that gets the credit. It's the treasure. It's Jesus within us that receives the honor and the glory for what happens. Exodus 36, 1 one of these lesser-known biblical characters, Bezalel. All right, Bezalel. So, Bezalel, Oholilab, or something like that, 
and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. All right, so here you have crafters, carpenters, people who are good with their hands. God has gifted them to build stuff. And God called these guys to build what? The tabernacle with the Holy of Holies. I mean, we're talking about the place where God's presence was experienced in a special kind of way. You see, God uses all of us, right? There's no calling that's more important than another calling, the calling to be a pest control exterminator, as Mark Robinson shared with us at the men's breakfast yesterday uh, in his former job, is just as important as being a missionary, right? Do you believe that? Callings are important, equally so. And by the way, if you weren't at the men's breakfast yesterday, you got to ask Mark about how God used him in that role in a very special way kind of way. So we have every calling is important. I want to just touch down for a moment. I I was pleasantly surprised, Wes, that you talked about tending the garden yesterday. And that, I've been thinking about that all week um, because it is so important that we look after God's creation, certainly environmentally, right? All of the, uh, the R's that we practice. But also, when you think about it, looking after God's creation involves the work that we do often, right? Running businesses, uh, you know, delivering goods and services, making sure people get to where they need to go. I mean, there's, there's a lot that is involved in looking after God's creation, and that is holy work. One of the things that disturbs me is that sometimes we get this idea that there's sacred work and secular work. All work done for God is sacred. It's a holy calling, absolutely necessary in fulfilling one of those four big commandments that we, that we heard about last week. In Ruth, the book of Ruth, we see how God called Ruth to support Naomi. Chapter 1, verses 16 to 17. Let me just paint a little bit of the context. Naomi's decided to go back, back to Israel, right? She's been uh, an Israelite living outside of her country. And her daughter-in-law, Ruth, could stay. Her husband has, has died. She could just stay in her homeland. She's a Moabite, but she chooses not to. And this is what she says to her mother-in-law, Naomi. She says, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Now catch this last part. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. To pick something up of the passion 
the commitment that Ruth had in living out this calling to support Naomi. I mean, she was like, you know, death. I mean, I'm going to do this no matter what the cost, no matter what the sacrifice. I will do what I need to do. Living out God's calling requires commitment and a fierce determination to stay the course. Because there will always be things that will distract us from living out God's purpose in our lives. Let me touch on one more, Queen Esther. In Esther 4, 14, we get a little sense of what was going on in the story. Again, for me to just sort of drop into the story does it a, a disservice in some ways. But suffice to say that, that the Jewish people were under a, a huge threat, a threat of annihilation. And Esther, a Jewess, had the opportunity to do something about it. She had been selected to become the queen of Persia and had some influence. But she also risked her life, potentially, to go to the king and to petition for her people. And let me just pick up the story in chapter 4, verse 14. It's Mordecai uh, talking, her cousin talking to Esther. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Catch that. God's purposes will not be thwarted, okay? That's God's sovereignty. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. I would suggest this morning that God has put you in your school for such a time as this. He's put you in your neighborhood, in your complex for such a time as this. He's put you in your workplace for such a time as this. He's put you into your networks of people because he has a strategic purpose in doing so. God's calling on Esther's life and his calling on our life is part of God's overall master plan. Each and every one of us has a part to play in God's big scheme of things. We could go on, we could look at some New Testament characters. Sometimes God gives very specific plans. For example, the Holy Spirit speaking to Peter after his vision in Acts 10, telling him exactly what was going to happen and what he should do. Or Paul's vision of the man calling him to Macedonia. That's pretty specific, okay? You know, Paul, I want you to go over there and tell the people there about, about me. Sometimes God calls more generally. All right, so maybe you're here this morning and, and God has, you know God has given you a gift, say, in, in helping. You just love helping. You know, if someone's in need, you, you just want to come alongside and, and help them as best you can. And maybe God hasn't given you sort of a really narrow kind of okay, you need to help in this particular area. You just want to help anywhere, and that's, that's cool. I think God works that way too. We see examples of that. 
So why is understanding our God-given calling important? I think you've probably picked up on that from, from some of these scriptures and stories. The bottom line is that when we understand and live out our God-given calling, we will do more of what God has designed us to do. Right? We will have it in our minds, okay, God has made me for this purpose. We'll keep that in front of us in whatever way works best for you. And so I'm going to just, I'm going to do that. I want to do more of that. I want my life to reflect that in as many ways as possible. We'll have a strong sense of direction. That's important for us because a lot of times, again, there's so many things going on, you know, I mean, wow, I've got four kids, you know, and, and we're, we're just going all sorts of places some weeks, right? We can be very busy with all sorts of things. When we know our purpose, it'll give us a sense of direction in the midst of life's busyness. We're less likely then to get sidetracked by good or not so good things. But we want to do the best, what God wants for us, and not get distracted by even the good things. We'll have passion and courage to live out our life's calling. There's something powerful about believing that this calling is from God himself. As Dave mentioned, I've had the privilege of working with probably hundreds of people now who, who've gone through a process of discerning their personal calling. And it doesn't work for everybody, for sure. But time and time again, I've seen people who have affirmed, yes, I'm doing exactly what God wants me to do. This has been an affirming process. For others, it's like, oh, okay, I see I've been a little distracted here. I need to, I need to, I need to be more focused. I've even had some who have changed their careers because they've recognized that, that what they were doing may have fit with a prior calling, but, but God was now calling them in a different kind of direction. It's a bit of a scary process sometimes. I actually warn people before you go into a discernment process, be, be aware that God may tell you something that will require significant change. But when we know it's from God, won't we be willing to do it, right? If God wants me to do something, I want to do that. And in the process to make significant sacrifices to accomplish that calling, and I think in the end, we will bear more fruit because fruit comes out of obedience. When we read John 15 about abiding in the vine, right? You continue to read through that passage and you see that obedience is a key theme. That as we obey, as we have his words abiding in us, remaining in us, changing us from the inside out, we will bear more fruit. Well, I realize that uh, you may have questions and objections to this notion of personal calling because I've heard lots of questions and objections over the years. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I'm too young. I'm a teenager, young adult. I'm still figuring out my life, perhaps. Um, you know, don't know what I have to offer. I'm too young for this. I'll, when I'm grown up, let's say, I'll... I'll figure all this stuff out. As I mentioned from 1 Corinthians 12, every Christian has a spiritual gift, at least one. 
Every Christian is an important member of the body of Christ. Every Christian must, in my view, live out what God has created them to be for the body to function as it should. And that includes the eight-year-old believing child, the 13-year-old, the 18-year-old, and so on. We are all essential members of the body of Christ, called to live out what God has given for us to do. I remember as a young young adult talking to Dr. Henry Hildebrand, the founder of Briarcrest Bible College. Uh, I grew up at Cairnport, so I had ready access to him. He even rescued me from a tree one time when I climbed too high and got stuck. Um, but as a young adult, I didn't get stuck in a tree. But we were talking about uh, life and ministry, and, and I was uh, getting involved in leadership, starting to serve in different ways, and feeling very inadequate and overwhelmed. And Dr. Hildebrand, with a twinkle in his eye, went on to tell me about how when he was my age, he, uh, he started a Bible college, you know, and God wanted him to do it, and God helped him do it. And it was such a, it was such a good story for me to hear that God, when he calls us to do something, provides what we need to live out that calling. God is faithful. Well, maybe you're here and you're going, I'm too old, all right? Um, maybe that's uh, an objection. You know, this personal calling thing, that's for the younger people out there. Um, please don't think that. I've served in enough cultures where the older you get, the more you are revered for your wisdom, your experience, for all that you have to give to the rest of us. And I believe that's true. You have so much to offer. C.S. Lewis has said, you're never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream. You're never too old. You always have so, so much to offer. God delights in us as individuals living in obedience to him, no matter what our age is. Well, maybe you're saying, I, I don't have much to offer. You know, I'm, an, I'm a very ordinary person, and mm, I'm not sure what, what I can give. God delights, absolutely delights, in choosing ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things in his strength. God delights in choosing ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things in his strength. One of the stories that continually encourages me is, is the little boy with the two fish and the five loaves, right? Remember the story? The disciples have gathered. There's about 5,000 plus people gathered They've been meeting for a long time. They're getting hungry, you know, and the disciples are kind of freaking out. You know, what are we going to do? And Jesus said, feed them. What? You're crazy. You know, and, and yet what Jesus does is amazing. He takes what this little boy has, this, this little lunch, and what does he do with it? He multiplies it exponentially 
to meet the need. And you know, that's how I think God often uses us. He takes what little we have to offer. And there's many times I've prayed, Lord, I'm empty. I, I don't have anything. I, I, I give you what I have. Take it and use it for your purposes. And I think someday when we're in heaven, we will be absolutely shocked at how God has used those little offerings to have an impact all over the place. So we always have something to offer, and God will take that and multiply it for his purposes. Someone might say, well, I, I think we will just naturally do what God has gifted us to do. Won't we, you know, if we enjoy something, if we're good at something, won't we just kind of naturally, you know, jog or whatever we're good at, and, and that's going to be a good thing? And I think that's true to a point. We do naturally trend towards our our strengths. Yet life and circumstances, people, and even our own tendencies have a way of distracting us from what is most important. Right? When left to our own devices, we may do some good, but I'm encouraging us to live more purposefully. I'm encouraging myself to live more intentionally. Another objection might be, well, it's too late. I've missed doing what God wanted me to do. I've heard that from people. You know, I, I sensed years ago that God wanted me to go do this, and I didn't. I did this. I remember as an undergrad student at Trinity, going to a chapel with George Verwer, the founder of Operation Mobilization, a large mission organization today, and, and he was talking about this. He was talking about God's will. And what do you do if, if somehow, you know, you do that? You, you, God wanted you to do this, and you instead did this. And I'll never forget his words. He said, is not God big enough to turn plan B into something even better than plan A? Is not God big enough to turn plan B into something even better than plan A as we follow him, as we obey him? We know from Romans 8.38 that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. God is somehow able to take our mistakes, our missteps, our failures, our disobedience, and somehow he takes that and he can turn that into something amazing for him. So don't let past mistakes discourage you from moving forward today. Lisa Bever has said, if you think that you have blown God's plan for your life, rest in this. You, my beautiful friend, are not that powerful. The final objection I'll touch on is, this sounds risky. You know, personal calling, you know, the examples we've looked at, I mean, those people left stuff, they did things that required faith and taking risks and all that. You're absolutely right. This objection is completely true. It is risky. 
it is always risky to follow Jesus. Now, I've noticed that both Wes and Dave have had Lord of the Rings quotes in their sermons the last couple months. So, following suit, here's one by Sam. It's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. Following God, we're stepping out the door, and we don't know exactly what's going to happen, where God might lead us, and the things that we will experience. Henry Blackaby, author of Experiencing God, said this, Nothing, nothing, is more exciting than living your life for God. But if what he asks you to do doesn't scare you half to death, you're probably not hearing him. So how do we discern or affirm God's calling on our lives? Find out what gives God pleasure, all right? Maybe asking others, so, you know, what do you see me good at? What do I enjoy doing? Ask others for their perception of your calling. Uh, Discern your gifts and abilities. And I I think Wes will talk about our God-given shape a bit next week, perhaps. And then to work through a guided discovery process like focus. Ah, yeah. All right. So on page eight in your focus booklets, you get to discern or affirm your life purpose reflecting on some key scriptures that have been meaningful to you and and creating a a purpose statement. On page 10, there's core values. This doesn't take a ton of time. When I did this for the first time about 14 years ago, it was just such a defining experience for me. And then on page 12 in your booklets, you have a chance to build a a one to two sentence vision statement around key areas of your life, like your family, your your schooling, perhaps, your work, your relationship with, with Jesus. I'm going to just challenge you. The next sermon series will be much more effective for you and our church if you do these exercises, all right? Um, because it sets the stage for what we're going to talk about in terms of church calling, church priorities. So please, take the time to work through these. If you don't have a booklet, you can get them at the Welcome Center or in the newsletter, the email that went out. There's an electronic version. So uh, we have a couple more Sundays to do this, and that's my challenge, that you'll, that you'll do this. All right? Let me close uh, just with a quote. Sam Rowland passed along a book recently to me by Mark Batterson called All In. It's, uh, in it, he says, Jesus did not die just to keep us safe. He died to make us dangerous. You see, when we live on mission, when we live out God's calling, we become a threat to the enemy. We become dangerous. Because you see, then we are looking after God's creation in the way that he's wired us to do that. We're loving God. We're loving others. We're making disciples in keeping with his purpose for our lives. Life with purpose.